A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online so any small business can make a change. We need a new generation of thinking. Your way of thinking. Start different at GoDaddy.com. If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. This is an ode to the glass noodle. You may be glass only in name, but our love for you is crystal clear in every Bibigo Korean dumpling. Your tantalizing texture tickles the taste buds, and while you are see-through, the world can't help but see you. The glass noodle, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every plump and juicy Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. This is Podco Media Networks. On episode 160 of Good Fashions of a Marketer, telling a great story. Hi, it's Mark Reed Edwards. Welcome back to Confessions of a Marketer. Naira Perez is here to discuss Instagram stories, her firm Spring Hill Digital, and lots more. And coming soon, Travis Chambers, Marty McDonald, David Etheridge, Nicholas Vandenberg, and Keith Cartwright. So stay tuned. I want to share some news with you. After the chat with Keith Cartwright, I'm going to put Confessions of a Marketer on hiatus. By then, we'll be at episode 165. And if you add on special episodes, that means we're close to 200 shows. I started this with the idea of doing a handful of shows with friends, people I knew, and it quickly grew beyond my expectations. I've enjoyed every minute of it, and I've learned so much from my guests. I often say to clients that doing the show has made me a better marketer. But times change. I have some ideas I want to pursue in the podcasting area. Nothing concrete yet, but I'll let you know as soon as I do. Plus, I also have been busier than ever as a consultant. June was insane. And that's where I need to focus right now. I want to thank all of you for listening and hope we'll bump into each other in the pod sphere again very soon. If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. Okay, on to Naira Perez. We talked way back in the pre-COVID days, but the discussion is really valuable for us all right now. I will say up front that Instagram is not my specialty, so I learned a lot from Naira. We discuss how companies can use those Instagram stories to their advantage, get engagement, how she has used them with her clients, and other platforms that are getting her attention. Plus, we learn how she ended up in Portland, Oregon. A fun chat. Let's get to it. Naira, it's great to have you here. Welcome to Confessions of a Marketer. Thank you. Very happy to be here. Can you give me your background and what you've been up to these days? Yeah. So I am the founder of Spring Hill Digital, and we are an agency that specializes in paid media only. And I absolutely love paid media, and I blame that on how I was introduced to the world of advertising. My first job was in TV agency that they 
direct-to-consumer advertising, which is a fancy name for infomercials. Sure. Exactly. So before all these digital key performance metrics were cool, we had infomercial key performance metrics. Yeah. So we will get a call log with every call. We knew what the audience was watching, when they were watching it, what they buy. So everything we got downloaded every day, and then we will adjust our strategies and our buys for the next month or so based on obviously more than one day's data. But it was great. I loved performance-based advertising. And so from there, it was just a natural jump to actually go into digital. Yeah. Not only I could get the normal key metrics, of clicks, CTRs, but what digital opened for me was that engagement with the audience, that possibility to actually listen to their thoughts. They were talking back, they were commenting, they were sharing. So the amount of data just grew exponentially for me. And I love every bit of it. So that's why from infomercials, I went directly into digital work a while before I created Spring Hill Digital. And I actually don't even want to call a Spring Hill Digital an agency. Right. It is more of a brain trust. So we put teams together that want to work in an account and that are specialists in what they are doing. So we want to create that ultimate job that you want to come to every day, that you want to do every day. And I truly believe that if people are happier at what they are doing and they're doing what they're good at, they're going to get, at the end, we're all going to get better product out of um, these collaborations. So that's what Spring Hill Digital is. But we specialize only in paid media. Yeah. And you're in Portland, Oregon, and you're originally from Spain. I am. Yes. And how did you end up in Portland, Oregon? Well, (laughs) being the data geek that I am, I actually researched (laughs) every city According to, you know, my income at the time, how long could I work if I didn't have a job? And then for me, it was very important to have that core center that with a lively downtown. So we, I actually came from Spain via Oklahoma, via Tulsa, Oklahoma. So, okay, yeah. And another cool city. Yeah, it actually has grown a lot since I left, but the people there are super nice. Yeah. So let's get down to business. Instagram stories are an interesting phenomenon. I'm kind of on Instagram. I don't really pay that much attention to it because I just only have so many hours in the day, right? So my listeners out, how can companies use them, use Instagram stories to their advantage? So Instagram stories is a very interesting concept where there, it's way more creative, way more visual than an Instagram newsfeed ad yep. or a Facebook newsfeed ad. The You only have a picture to convey what you want to convey. So in that sense, it's a little bit more challenging to get your message across. But the Instagram stories are a very fast way to, to introduce your brand. So if you've ever seen somebody go through their stories, they go really fast. So in theory, it seems like there is more inventory available because people are using it much faster. So the posts don't need to stay as long. 
And so in this sense, if we can create something that is original, that is engaging, actually the reach can be much higher than a news feed post or a news feed ad. And we have data to actually show this, that our ads in stories normally have much lower CPMs and much higher engagement rates than sometimes the newsfeed ads. So yeah, if you have content that is very visual, then this is a perfect place for you to be in. So I was going to ask, what's the secret to engagement with Instagram stories? Mm -hmm. Is it having really great visuals? Is that part of it? Or great messaging? What's the secret? I would say the secret is having a great story and then being able to tell it. So there are ads that are very basic or even inorganic. There are posts that are very basic, no great visuals, but that tell a story very fast and very easy. So if you have that, something that you can tell in like two to three seconds, make people curious about what you're talking about, and what you want to convey. If you can do that, then stories is for you. The secret sauce could be a great creative, something that stops you in your tracks and then you want to know more. Or it could be this amazing, simple story that it's very easily understood in two to three seconds. So it depends on the brand, obviously. Yeah. Do you do... Creative strategy implementation, the whole thing, or do you do elements of that? We do that. Yes, we actually create a strategy based on the product, based on what we have available to us, and then we actually place it in the platform and optimize the delivery. So we do, yeah, almost everything that you can think of in that vertical. And we are really excited. One thing that Stories has is that, especially it's new to paid, the ability to do polls or quizzes also called. Hmm. Those are actually super exciting and very, very fun. And it helps people engage with the brand because it's a very simple question that you make in a story. And then you can have two options. The audience has two options, a yes or no, or maybe and not so sure, or whatever answer, but you only have two options. So they're very quick answers that people like to uh, take part of. Yeah, and that's kind of engagement in its purest form, isn't it? Asking your audience what they think. Yeah, yeah. And they were created for organic mostly, So what happens is that now in paid, we can do so much more than just engagement. If you think about it strategically, we can actually have polls as a pre-market research. As an example, we've had clients that were in the fashion industry. And so how you style a dress makes a huge difference whether that dress is attractive to the audience or not. So we style it in different ways and we ask option one or option two, which one do you prefer to the audience that we knew was our target mm-hmm. audience? And, you know, then we we find out, ah, actually they like better with the belt. They like better with this kind of shoe. They like better. So then that affects how you do future posts. But also another way to use it is to find out if, as an example, purchase intent. 
will you buy this because it's planned, it's in your grocery list, or do you buy it whenever you're in front of it and absolutely cannot stop yourself from grabbing that <laughs> bag of chips? Right, right. <laughs> so that can change the way that you are displaying yourself at retail space. You can also start asking about possible new flavors of, you know, whatever cookies or new colors or new, the possibilities are endless. So Mm -hmm. not only do they engage with that, but the most exciting part, the data geek in me gets Mm -hmm. excited about the fact that if people are engaging with your ads, then you can potentially retarget them. Right, right. So do you have any stories on how you've used Instagram stories with your clients? Yeah. So we've had, like I mentioned, the dressed one where Mm. it influences. Um, We have actually one that was very interesting, which was it's it's a product that is not yet developed. But we wanted to see if the concept was easy to understand uh, in a very simple way. And if it was easy to understand, will people buy it? So it's a product for nails. It's where you, in theory, could change the color of your nails with the touch of of a pen. So it's kind of interesting. And so we put it out there. And so... The audience was responding really well, but it was very difficult to understand as it was described. And it had a video and everything. So what we need to do now is to go back and say, okay, the concept is there. People liked it, but they had problem understanding what was that product did for them. So I think that we need to continue development for this product in particular. So in that sense, instead of spending thousands of dollars in surveys, we spend a fraction of that, reach way more people, and got a very honest feedback. Mm. It's very efficient. Very efficient. Very efficient. And if people are not answering to your ads, then you have also data that tells you, hey, the message is not clear. If they answer and they answer what you don't want them to answer... That's, would you buy this product? And they say no. Then, then you know they understood it, and they are not interested. So, because these stories polls are so easy to understand, so easy to participate in, is uh, I think it draws more honesty because it's a, it's a quick respond now, right? Yeah. So those, you know, going back to the polls, those are my most favorite new feature in Instagram. And it's new for paid. Organic already had it. Yeah. But in paid, it's amazing. It probably is what you were dreaming about when you were doing infomercials, right? (laughs) This kind of instantaneous data and feedback directly from an individual customer. Yes, that I, you, you know, you know me so well now. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of, you know, I, I, it's funny. I've talked to, you know, 150 people on this podcast in nearly three years or so. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the things that we put into practice now in social media and advertising and digital marketing and all that, it's all based on a lot of the, the um, disciplines that we 
learned in direct marketing. Yeah. And, you know, so, so obviously it's more sophisticated in some ways, but a lot of, you know, what you were doing when you were doing uh, infomercials, you're using some of the same skills and some of the same ideas. You're just getting more instantaneous feedback and more granular feedback too. Mm-hmm. Yes. And actually the call to action concept, which is something that some brands have difficulty understanding that tell them what to do, tell people what to do after they see an ad or even after a post, what do you want them to do? That's a very difficult concept to grasp that comes yeah. naturally if you worked in infomercials. Order before midnight tonight, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, and you know, there is other formulas. Infomercials are captivating. Even, even mm-hmm. whenever you don't think you're an infomercial person and, you know, you're it used to be at midnight, you would turn on TV and see an infomercial, it will captivate you. It was like, wow, I don't need this product, but I'm watching an infomercial like it's a show. And it's because there is a formula to it. And if we can apply those same concepts to digital marketing, then into digital advertising, then, you know, we're all humans. What worked 20 years ago can work today if we adapt to the platforms that we have. But the principles are still the same. Maybe shorter spam attention. Maybe that's the difference. But apart from that, we're all humans. We're all interested in very, very similar ways. Yeah. So what other platforms are getting your attention these days? Well... There is a, uh, you know, TikTok is the newest, <laughs> the newest. Yeah, tell me about TikTok. I, I know very little about it. Tell me about it. Yeah, absolutely. So TikTok is actually a platform where you, a small videos that go on a loop. And I think it went big because of their challenges. So somebody challenged somebody, their audience to actually post videos doing something in particular. Mm-hmm. So everybody responds with their own video. It has grown really fast. There is a lot of influencers and it is a very exciting platform for very young audiences. However, these audiences will grow up. And so I can yeah. see them expanding into bigger, um, older audiences in the future. But yeah, it's if you remember Vine, kind of. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. So for you and I, then we can talk in those terms. It's, it's sort of like that. But it is different in the sense of you can add filters, you can add different things to the video itself. So it was, it was funded back in 2016. It just became big. And it's also advertisements are getting into it. And that's what makes it really interesting. And the only problem that I see with TikTok is that the accuracy of their reporting is not there yet. Yeah. So what I'm actually looking is at their competitors that may actually have better reporting and more accurate results. There is a new one that uh, just came out called Byte. And it's from the people that that did Vine. So that one is very interesting. And it's very clean in the way of, it's already thinking about how can we make money out of it? So in that sense, it will be tighter in reporting probably. And it will be just much easier to get into it from an advertiser perspective. So 
you know, it just came out, but I'm really looking forward to see how it evolves. I'll have to check back in in six months and see how. <laughs> we'll check back in and see how we did. Yeah. Another platform that is interesting because, you know, 2020, it's just all about video, all about images that move, which is also what I recommend with Instagram. Right. There's is just put video up there because it captures your attention. Is caffeine app. Have you heard of it? I haven't. I feel completely ignorant of this stuff. Oh, <laughs> well, <that laughs> so fast, right? <laughs> yeah. The caffeine app is is uh, it's more like a streaming service. It's actually like a caffeine TV almost. But the thing is that Drake just partnered with this app to stream URL rap battles. So ah. that's where whenever you get somebody coordinating with an app where they're going to promote it, they're going to be in it, that's when it actually becomes more interesting for the rest of us that are not so up to date, maybe. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to watch it and see how it goes. Yeah. How about some of the older ones like LinkedIn? What do you think of LinkedIn mm -hmm. in, in this kind of uh, maze of social media? LinkedIn has an interesting niche. Yeah. What do you think of LinkedIn from a social standpoint and from a video standpoint, how they kind of fit into everything? Yeah, LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. And that's my go-to social media platform whenever it is a B2B concept. It's changed so much in the last year. It used to be a very slow platform to innovate. And in the last year, if you've been out of LinkedIn for a year, you wouldn't recognize it at all. Right. So video is their latest. You can actually use video now and you can use video even for advertising. So that's going to be great. LinkedIn is, there is no true competitor to LinkedIn that I can see as it, and for at least for B2B. Yeah, yeah. So um, their targeting options are amazing. Whenever you can target so deep into an audience by job title, by company, by how many years they've been there, it's just amazing. And so now they're copying things that have worked very well for Facebook, like lookalike audiences, as an example, is one that mm -hmm. is very exciting. So yeah, LinkedIn is uh, still alive, kicking, and it's it's doing great things. What do you think, though, in LinkedIn? Obviously, the targeting you know ads and so forth is fine. The amount of spam I get in my LinkedIn inbox mm -hmm. now is overwhelming, and people trying to connect with me and offer me services immediately. Obviously, you know, I think that may be a good channel. But you've got to be careful of how, how you use it or abuse it, don't you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's that's the first thing that I tell my clients is whenever we go into LinkedIn, we're not going to sell to people. We're going to tell them a story. We're going to, we're going to inform them, but we're not going to sell them because it is not very attractive from somebody that you don't know that it's already selling you something. Yeah. So I wouldn't like that from a person-to-person -person contact. I don't like it from brands. Nobody likes to be sold to. So I think that what you have seen is an increase of spam in your email because LinkedIn has been pushing email mm -hmm. a lot. 
and which is not my favorite format, to be honest with you. And people don't know how to do it. They're taking the old approach and making it into a new platform without considering what we were talking about, without considering that it's a new way to talk to people. So you have to adapt your message. Exactly. The tactics may work, but you need to adapt your message. And email will work for things that are a personal invitation. I will use it very, very, very strategically because you're getting in such an intimate place. Like your inbox is a very intimate place, especially in LinkedIn. So a lot of people do it wrong. And that's that's just what you're seeing. Yeah, yeah. And it's putting people off. Absolutely. They move spam from one inbox to another. Right? <laughs> yes, that is true. It's <laughs> it's sad, but true. Or sometimes the first time you meet somebody, it's like, oh, you know, LinkedIn with me. And you link with them. And the first email you receive from them is buy my book. And you're like, well, but I don't know you. Or Yeah, it's like meeting someone at a, co- a cocktail party and having them have an intimate conversation with you immediately. It's yeah. like, that's not how life works. No, that's not how it does. I always like to tell the clients, it's like, imagine you're at a bar. Somebody comes in and says, hello, my name is Naira and I want to marry you. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> how many yeah. people say yes to that? So... Once you put it in those words, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, it makes it makes sense. Plus, in this case, email is actually more expensive than it may look. Right. The costs are per cent item, per cent email, not per open rate, not per conversion, is per cent. So whenever we're thinking about like 10 cents or 20 cents per cent. Once you make your math after that, how many people actually will buy a product in through the process, through your nurturing, maybe that cost, you will be surprised, but it's actually really expensive, the cost per yeah. that you can generate through email. It's much easier to bring people to you than you coming to their door, forcibly getting into their house and asking them to buy something. Just use the newsfeed, which is, a very good place. Use lead gender generation forms, which are fantastic. I love them. And just, again, use your judgment, but publish good content. Oh, content is king. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know it's overused, the whole, you know, good, good content out there. But it, it is 100% true. I've had very good ads that then fell flat whenever people got to the content and it was not what they expected and it was not what they wanted. So content is very important. And you and in, in LinkedIn especially, your nurturing plan. Once you get a lead, once you get somebody interested in you, what's the plan? What are you telling them to do? What are you expecting them to do? And what are you going to continue giving them to eventually convert them into a, from a lead into a sale, it's a journey, but you have to hold our hand. You have to be a partner mm-hmm. in the journey. Yeah, that's great. It's it's a good metaphor, isn't it? The journey. It's not something that you have one or two steps in. It's multiple steps and you have to deliver the right element at the right time at each step of that journey. Exactly. It is. So it used to be the, the funnel and then somebody said the funnel was dead and they killed it. But 
it's it's all about what a stage in our relationship are we in yeah. and how you arrive at that relationship it matters yeah. it really matters so from that journey and that relationship also then you have to start looking at how many channels do you have what are you saying in those channels how people can find you and what are their expectations when they do you have to really really analyze your audience so Everything comes back to the audience. If you do not listen to the audience, if you do not know what their conversations are about, what their language is about, and I'm not saying English versus Spanish versus whatever yeah. other language, I'm saying, how are they referring to their pain points? How are they talking about those pain points? And how can you connect with them at that level? So, for example, I used to have a consultant that work with moms and their babies, and whenever we were talking about one point that made people very nervous was the detachment of the kid if they were going through sleep training program. And so she will talk about this all the time. And I'm like, wait a minute, do you know that moms don't talk that way? I mean, moms actually, when they're talking one to another, when they're opening their hearts, they're not talking about the attachment or attachment or proper attachment. They're talking about whether my kid will love me more or less. Right. So if you put it in those words, then now you're connecting at the same level. So that's that's one example of the language is important. And you have to listen, not, not only at your audience talking to you, but how are they talking amongst themselves? Right. It requires something that we've talked quite a bit on this podcast about, and that's empathy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, putting yourself in the place of your you know, potential customer, your customer, your audience, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's empathy, it's listening, and it's then the ability to communicate it back. Well, Naira, this was wonderful. I really appreciate you joining me for this wonderful discussion. Yeah, that was fun. Thanks so much. Absolutely. All right, next time, Travis Chambers on the Quantitative Creative. Confessions of a Marketer is a trademark of Podco Media Networks, and this episode is copyright 2020. I'm Mark Reed Edwards. Stay healthy and see you next time. You've never tried to eyeball six feet as often as you do now. You wear a mask, you wash your hands, and you've stayed within the walls of your apartment for more hours than you care to add up. But unless you live in a smoke-free building, you're not exactly home free. Secondhand smoke drifting through the cracks in walls or sink drains carries toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. And right now, lung health is key. Go to tobaccofreeca.com to learn how to stay safe.